another hope-filled message from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifeau.org. Well, a warm welcome from our home to your home and wherever you're connecting with us from. Great to have you here. We're in interesting times and there is a lot going down. I've come to discover that for my spiritual, my emotional and even my physical well-being, a part of how I have been designed and you is a need to be known, to know that we're not isolated, that we're not alone, that actually we are a part of something far bigger than who we are. And today, if you're feeling lonely, feeling fearful, be encouraged that God is a part of who you are. In fact, today, I want to share around this thought of the need to isolate isolation. We are in a season globally of social distancing, and it's easy to succumb to isolation. But the psalmist writes, and he says in Psalm 139, verse 1, O Lord, it's you who has searched me. And God, thank you that you know me. You know when I'm sitting down and you know when I'm rising up. You even understand my thoughts from afar. You comprehend my path and my lying down. And you are acquainted, listen to this, with all of my ways. In other words, the psalmist understood that he was fully known. And we have a heavenly father that gets where we're at, understands it, and wants to be included in the ability to lift us through that. The psalmist goes on in verse 17, how precious also, God, are your thoughts towards me. How great is the sum of them. In other words, God, you are particularly interested in me. This thought of isolating isolation, I think we are in a pandemic. We hear it all the time. COVID-19 is touching the globe. I actually think that that fear that the enemy is bringing with it is an instrument he's trying to use to isolate us. That's what fear does. It brings isolation. But because we understand God's way of living, we don't have to park there. We're created as human beings for security, to discover acceptance and warmth and understanding. And also we're created to develop. But all of that comes from community. It comes by not living isolated, but being part of a bigger world. And we are in such a technological age. Here we are doing what we're doing. We never thought we'd all be at home watching church today. We've got fiber where we can instantly connect around the world. And yet with all of that technology, you know what I think is killing more than COVID-19? Killing more people is loneliness, isolation, because fear breeds isolation. And so we live in a world where electronically we can just come home from work, push the button, close the gate, not even get to know the community that we live in. But that season is changing. God said at the beginning of time when he created Adam, it's not good, Adam, that you're alone. It's not good for man to be alone. And so he created a community for Adam to live in. Uh, I was reading about an Israeli adventurer. His name's Yossi uh, Ginsberg. And he said he was caught and trapped in the Amazon for a number of weeks. In fact, he barely survived but his testimony after was, he said he said that loneliness was the thing that nearly took him out. The only way he did survive, he said, was by creating imaginary friends. And by doing that, he could survive. God doesn't want you just to survive. Our answer is not imaginary friends, even though that may help us in the eye of the storm. It's living in community. 
It's knowing there is a God that wants to come into our lounge rooms, into our darkened hearts, into our fear. God wants us to connect with other people. All around the world, people are asking me, so what do you think's happening? And I said, I think the enemy's trying to sow a seed of isolation through fear. In fact, some research was done by Harry Taylor, who does studies in social isolation. And he says the mortality effect of social isolation is almost like smoking 15 cigarettes a day. In other words, if you allow isolation to isolate you, then you are going on a downward spiral. Let me give you what I really believe is happening. When people ask me, I say, I think we've got to turn the why God into the what for God. In other words, stop asking God, why is this all happening? What are you allowing this to happen for? Don't forget, God is never the author of pain. He's not the author of sin, of sickness, of death. He's not the author of loss. No, God is a father and his heart is for relationship and dependence. And yet as a true father, he wants to bring about maturity in our lives. He wants us to get to a place where we can fulfill our potential. But we can't do that alone. And so in these times, it's kind of like, I think the what for is that God is teaching us we need to know that life, significant living is in community. Uh, you may have heard these verses, Proverbs 3, verse 9 and 10. I want to read them and then go on to verse 11 and 12. The Bible says, honor God, honor the Lord with your possessions. Put him first and with the first fruits of everything you increase in, honor him. So that God can take you to a place where your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. That's a great promise. When the world is saying everything's going to change and there will be a lot of change, but God can do more than we can do ourselves. Then it goes on to verse 11. I've never really put these together, but it flows into the verse 11 and 12. My son, my daughter, don't despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction, because whom the Lord loves, he corrects like a father, the son in whom he delights. God allows things. He doesn't create evil, but he allows them to bring the right change in us. He takes us from the why God is all this happening to what for? So God, that I can learn to live my life trusting, connected with you and with others. I think the second thing for me is this season is a time that God is saying, hey, there's needed realignment. God's asking us to stop and say, what matters most? What is the purpose? And I think God allows the negative things that the enemy brings and he seeks to bring them to our destruction, but he allows them so we can learn and see there is a bigger purpose. Years ago, my dad, when he was still alive, used to love to play chess. And I wasn't really that. I'm somebody that hasn't got a lot of patience. I just want to get on and play a game with a ball or something. But he taught me how to win chess. You know, in chess, you start with a whole lot of players. All of them have different abilities. But great chess players learn how to sacrifice some of their own players in order to gain an upper hand. The purpose is to protect the king and to have ultimate domination for the king's purpose. Everything can be sacrificed except the king. And I felt like God was saying to some today, prophetically, the king of kings, the Elohim, he is the God that this thing is going to bring us closer to, that God is bringing a realignment in how we live. Uh, think about Israel. 
They've been under the bondage of Egypt for 400 years and God hears their cry. But there's a Pharaoh who is the ruler of Egypt. And in Exodus 7, 1 to 5, God comes and speaks to Moses. And he says, I want you now to do what I command you to do. Yet what I'm going to do, he said in verse 3, is I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. And yet through the hardening of Pharaoh's heart, I'm going to show my signs and wonders in Egypt. Pharaoh will not always heed you. So I want you to realize that you need to keep at this and do what I say. And the end result, verse 5, I love this, is the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. I believe right now is a time where God is saying, if you will honor me, I'm going to walk with you. doesn't matter what happens around you. doesn't matter what happens in the earth. How many times things get harder. I want you to understand that I've got a bigger purpose than just the things. As a father, I want to bless you. As a father, I want to protect you. But I'll allow things to show the rest of the world that I am the Lord God. I think our natural blessings, our natural securities, even our time here on earth is precious to us. But you know what, what I am learning? All of these things are secondary to the bigger part of God's plan for my life. Uh, verse 1 of chapter 7, as I said, the Lord said to Moses, make sure that you speak all that I command you and remember this, that I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that I can multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. Let's expect God through believers to do the miraculous, to show others that don't know God, that God can take any person through the worst and bring the best. From the beginning, Satan's plan for your life and my life was through fear to isolate us, to cause us to have an arm's length approach to God. But I'm telling you, that if you will come in close to God, and I want to look at that a little later in the message as to what do we do? How do we isolate isolation? But remember this, the enemy has a game plan, and I think his game plan is literally these things. He wants to lure us in a compromise. If you've lived a life where you know you're not doing what God wants you to do, he wants to keep you in compromise so that you will not know his presence, you will not see his provision, that you'll do life alone because his, the enemy's ultimate plan, is against separated living. Not only that, I think he uses the power to distract us and create drift. It's been a big thought for me this year how so many people that have a faith in God and the belief have drifted and their goal now has become temporal things, has become things of this world. And the enemy wants us not to become committed to a kingdom focus to live our lives for what really matters in eternity. I think the third thing that the enemy tries to do is he wants to cause us to begin to serve self, that we become the center of the equation, that it's all about me rather than, no, it's bigger than me. And when things happen that I don't understand, I'm not going to isolate. I'm going to get closer to God. As a teenager, I read this verse. I've never lost it. it comes from Proverbs 18 and verse 1. It was a challenge. And it's now become a foundational stone. This is the revelation. Someone, a man who isolates himself, seeks his own desire. In fact, they rage against all wise judgment. Even fools. A fool is someone who has no delight in understanding, but only in expressing their own heart. This thought of isolating isolation is that God's got a bigger purpose for us. You know, this week has been one of those dark weeks for Marie and I as 
one of our great friends, Cy Rogers, went on to heaven. And to be honest, it was and has been and still is deep waters for me to swim through. And people will have asked me again on that, how would God let such a champion go? And I just said, you know, our time on earth is not what it's all about. This is a sojourn. This is a, a, a segue to which we go to what we were created for, which is life with our Heavenly Father forever. And Sai right now is in the best place, but we've got to pick up the residue of that. And I want to encourage you, if you feel like God has let you down, no, God's got a bigger purpose than what you see. And good will come from this. What the enemy meant for evil, God will use for good. Let me, before we go and talk to some of the great people in our church, just read from Galatians 5 verse 13. Paul writes, he says, for you, brethren, you've been called to liberty. It's a great life, this Christian life. Make sure, however, you don't use your liberty as an opportunity for your flesh. In other words, don't self-serve. Uh, sorry, don't serve self. Be somebody who's real. But through love, here's the commendation. Make sure that you serve one another. For all of the law is fulfilled in one word even in this, that you would love your neighbor as yourself. To isolate isolation, we've got to do life in community. Don't let the enemy think you're not worthy of that or you can't make a difference or you don't need that. It's that point where things begin to shift. Well, we're going to go live to another home this morning and we're going to go to Vince and Abby Harder's place and I want to ask them some questions about how they're feeling in this season. Well, hey, Vince and Abby, how you doing? Trust that you are doing well. How's your bubble going? Hey, Pastor, hey, Pastor Paul. Um, yeah, it's going good. We're um, surviving. <laughs> Not annoying each other too much, I don't think. But um, <laughs> the kids are enjoying it. They're um, you know, enjoying having, I guess, both of us here at home. I'm normally the one that travels. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I definitely miss um, playing basketball and visiting friends and yeah. family and things like that. Yeah, well, I'm exactly the same. I travel so much and just to be at home, but I can't either get out fishing and just keeps me sane. So Marie's having to put up with that. You know, another thing I'd love to ask you is today we've been talking about this whole isolating isolation. It's something we've got to learn how to do. I'm going to speak to that in a few moments uh, and how the enemy's got a plan to break down healthy connection. Anything you would love to add from your perspectives about how you can ensure to keep community? Yeah, I think um, for us individually and as a couple, we've really realised the importance of keeping connection strong with your family and friends and church family. Mm. Um, I think especially during tough times, it's important because it's really easy to kind of feel like you're going through that sort of stuff by yourself um, or that you're the only people that have had to walk through the journey that you're walking. Yeah. So it's, um, it's really cool if, when you can find people that you can connect with and be open and honest um, with and they can help share and then you realize that you're not the only one and there's a real comfort and support in that. Um, so that's, I think, when we found it really important. What a great response. I think sometimes we do feel like we want to withdraw when really what we need to do is reach out and make sure we are connected with the right kind of community. You know, here's another question too. Have there been times for you because I know you guys have a busy life and Vince, you travel the world and you're singing everywhere. Uh, have there been times where you personally or even as a couple have become isolated? 
Yeah, um, good question. I think um, yeah, there's definitely been times where I felt isolated, but um, I think as a couple, I remember a time when we moved to Australia for work and, um, you know, obviously no family there, no immediate family, no, mm. no none of our close friends were with us. And so um, even being a performing artist for myself, I'm an introvert, so it's always hard for me to go out there and just kind of just meet people and try mm. and make connections. But I, I do realize that for myself, I have to make a conscious decision and actually action that, you know, okay. and do that. And and I, I think that's important, um, even as Christians, that we, you know, make those decisions and um, find community and find people that, you know, we can kind of um, relate to. And, and, and I guess, you know, on a level where we're able to um, find some, some way to um, share our connection with God and our, our relationship with God and, and trust that we can, you know, open up and talk about stuff um, because, you know, um, it's easy to feel alone. Yeah, so true. I think, again, you know, you can live your Christian walk with a set of beliefs, but to know God, the Father heart of God, is what brings the ability to make sure isolation doesn't isolate you. And you've got to war against that. Uh, talk to me for a, a couple of minutes or a minute or so about intimacy with God, about really getting to know God. Sure, we can do that. <laughs> um, intimacy with God is super important for us as individuals. Um, sometimes that can look different, so the way that I connect with God is different to the way that Vincent's. Um, but I like to sometimes just put on worship music and, and try and feel God's presence. Um, and I find that if I'm not doing that or if I'm not reading my Bible or finding ways to connect with God mm -hmm. regularly, um, other things in life can slip. So um, that's where I notice the big change if, yeah. if I'm not. So it's, it's super important. Yeah, I think worship for both of us has been a, yeah. uh, you know, a huge thing for us to be able to connect with God. But I, even individually for me, um, um, when we talk about close proximity with God, I think for me having that closeness is um, prayer and um, having that you know, time on my own to be able to just connect with God and to have real, converse, real conversation with Him. Um, has been an important part of you know my life and you know we, we try and encourage you know our three-year-old Jackson to pray you know every time we go to put him to bed and mm -hmm. read him a bedtime story we um, pray with him and you know we both have our own ways of being able to um, pray and so he, he hears that and I think it's great to have that example for him so um, you know it's 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 important for us to be able to pray to God but especially for both of us together to have that prayer life Mm. And I think it's important also to remember that even though you can feel alone, that you're not and you've got a God that's there waiting for you whenever you're ready. Well, thank you. And thank you for just your life and the way that you're living it. And I love that both of you have been blessed with a gift of singing. I wish I had that as well. And why don't you bless all of us? Psalm 23 is so powerful because it reminds us we're not alone. We're connected with a shepherd. Let's just worship God for a moment. The Lord is my shepherd. He goes before me.
cups overflowing. No weapon can harm me. I won't fear. Come on,
Well, thanks, Vince and Abby. That has really brought the presence of God. That presence of God is so powerful. I was thinking as I was, again, preparing for today, how that Jesus, before he left the disciples, he said, things are shifting, guys. I'm about to go, but my presence is here. And this is what he said to them. He said, make sure you embrace the power of together. If you're going to isolate the enemy's plan, which is isolation, if you're going to isolate that and remove that, you need to come together. You need to be of one heart. He said in John 13 and verse 34, I'm giving you a new commandment and I want to give it to you. I want you to love one another in the same way completely as I have loved you, that you also love one another. It's like Jesus was saying, you've got to get this. This is the antidote to the enemy's plan of isolation. And when you do this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another, if you choose to do life connected. Why is connection so important? Why is it needed? We're talking about isolating isolation. And I think there are three areas that we need to connect in. And one is proximity to our Father in heaven. That God is longing, our Father God is longing for us to know Him, to have His presence surrounding every part of who we are. We can have the believing, we can have the doing, we can have all of the activity, but God wants us to get to know Him. He knows us, but there's a great exchange that takes place when we really know his heart towards us. Fear then cannot find a place to become resolute in our lives when we know that God has got this. Jesus used the illustrations of the vine and the branch. He says, you realize I'm the, the vine, you're the branches, but you need to be connected. If you lose that connection, if you lose connection with my word, with my presence, when you lose connection, you're gonna lose perspective. Again, in the Message Bible, I love how 1 John 2 and verse 16 says this, Practically, everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, none of this has got anything to do with the Father. It just isolates you and I from Him. The world and all it's wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Well, the Bible really changes perspective in living. Some researchers in Baylor University, which was a non-Christian study, said this. They found that people who pray to a loving and protective God are less likely to experience anxiety-related disorders, less likely to experience worry, fear, self-consciousness, social anxiety, and even obsessive compulsive behavior. This thought of living in proximity to the Father God, that's how we isolate isolation. Not only that, secondly, proximity to life-giving relationships. What's your community like? You might say, well, Paul, I'm locked at home on my own. Yeah, but you've got the internet, you've got the phone. Are people in your world life-giving people? Because that's where that connection, it is this antidote to isolation. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated. But when two stand together back to back, they conquer. Three are even better because a triple braided cord cannot be easily broken. What a powerful challenge today that we've got to set our lives in community. 
Jen Sincerio, who's an American author, says it's an uphill battle when you hang out with whiners, pessimists, tweakers, bleakers, freaker outers, life so unfairers. <laughs> Stay away from those anyone who has a tiny or a small mind. I think God is resetting. He's realigning and he is asking us to do life in community life-giving communities. You can watch online, but it's who you do the rest of the week with. Firstly, with your Father God, knowing Him intimately. And then secondly, what kind of people are in your world? Uh, here at Life and every strong Christian over the long haul has been somebody who knows what it is to have relationships that build us, to be in a group, to have a community of friends that are close to all of us. John 15 verse 11, Jesus said, the things that I'm speaking to you, they are there that your joy may be filled and my joy remains in you. Remember my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has never been given than one laying down their lives for their friends. I'm encouraging you today. There are people you can't trust. There are people that are around. Maybe you need to go on an investigative journey. Maybe even your circle of friends are people that have got tiny minds. They're the tweakers, the bleakers. Life is so unfairers. I love the way he puts that. Now let's have people that bring faith, bring God's word, that God is in this, that God is going to take us through it. So let's isolate isolation. How do we do it? Proximity with our Father who is in heaven. Proximity in life-giving relationships. If you don't know how to do that, if you're a part of the Auckland community, our church, go online, find a group that you can be a part of. It's the answer to see that shift into community. The third thing is proximity to our real self. You might go, well, that's an interesting thought. Uh, Billie Jean King, who was world number one in tennis, said these words, she says, I think self-awareness is probably the most important things if you want to become a champion. In other, other words, understanding who you are, not who other people say you are, not what your past says about you, not what you're wanting to be. No, believing that you are who God says you are and who he's called you to be. I really want to encourage you to take a moment to think about the real you, proximity to my real self. There's always a voice in the stands that will try and tell us who we are. But of course, the further people are away from us, the blurrier that becomes. I want to encourage you today to begin to declare what God says you are. Not, as I said, what your past says, what your weakness says, what other people have said, but what God says you are. That's your real self. That's powerful. Again, in the Message Bible, Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. But if God himself has taken up residency in your life, you can hardly be thinking more of yourself than of him. Anyone, of course, who has not welcomed this invisible but clearly present God, the Spirit of Christ, won't know what we're talking about. But for you who have welcomed him, in whom he dwells, even though you still experience all the limitations of sin, you yourself experience life on God's terms. I love that.
In other words, a perspective change. It stands to reason, doesn't it, that if the alive and present God who raised Jesus from the dead moves in your life, he'll do the same thing in you that he did in Jesus, bringing you alive to himself. When God lives and breathes in you, and he does as surely as he did in Jesus, you are delivered from that dead life. With his spirit living in you, your body will be as alive as Christ's. God gets us. We fail to get ourselves. My true self is the God me. Not the immature me. Not the broken me. Not at times the compromising me. My true self is the God me. God sees us as sons, as daughters, as heirs. Verity Tom, who's a great part of our world and has served me for many years. I love what she wrote. She said, in being self-aware, we are faced often with some confronting and uncomfortable realities. However, it is when we view ourselves in the light of Christ, we realize the true connection brings about full transparency and becomes a key to full freedom and joy. You know, the enemy would want you to see yourself as somebody that's captivated by fear, somebody that's not good enough. But you have a father in heaven that says, if you get to know me, come into proximity with me. Come into proximity with the wonder of who I am and what I want to do in your life. Be in the right kind of relationships, people that will build you and speak into you, but also come into proximity with the God you, the real you. That's where change comes. We are in a world, we're in a society today, globally. The suggestion is you are what you feel. Today I'm here to say you're more than what you feel. You are who God says you are. I grew up, and this is how I was taught, you are what you have done. I've come to realize, no, there is no condemnation for those of us in Christ, that God's dealt with our past and we don't have to live with that failure voice over our shoulder. We don't have to live according to somebody else's reflection on who we are. We've got a heavenly father and he's created you and he's created I to be a new creation. Today, there is a great sense that God in the season is taking us to a place where he's longing that our perspective would change. And I may be echoing what I've already said, but if you feel like you're trapped and you're isolated, Make sure you make a decision that you are going to isolate all isolation. Isolation is the byproduct of fear. But when you find God and know that you have a Father in heaven that knows you, understands you, gets you, sees you when you lie down, when you fall down, and has a hand to lift you up, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delighteth in his way when he falls and when he rises that God can take you on a journey. And today you say, well, Paul, I feel isolated. I feel like I've failed God. I feel like I am alone. Well, God's saying, come into proximity with the heart of your father. Get into an environment that's rich with the right input from people that will hold you accountable and inspire you. When you can't lift yourself up, they'll lift you up. They'll be there in the dark and the light days. And then thirdly, get a right perspective as to who you are, the real you. The real me is not anything else but how God calls me. He calls me a new creation. One of my favorite verses, 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 16. 
Paul writes, he says, therefore, from now on, this is what we do. We regard no one according to the flesh. Just stop there. This is the way God sees us. I don't regard you according to the weakness of your flesh. Sin has to be dealt with, yes. But I don't see you as a sinner. I see you as a son. I see you as a daughter. And I think the church would be propelled a long way further if we stopped looking at other people according to their flesh. No, we don't regard you according to your flesh. Therefore, this wonderful verse in verse 17, if anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation, not just a better old, a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The greatest outcome of this season could well be that you and I have our hearts aligned with our Heavenly Father. Today is a day where all of us get to make a decision. This is a moment. It's not just another day. It's a moment in God where we can see ourselves differently if we would see how God sees us. Surely a father, he is going to love us. He's wanting to bless us. He's wanting to do the best for us. But he'll allow things that cause us to grow. He'll allow things, even though they're tough at times, he didn't create them, but allow them so that we will mature and come to right perspective. And so I think this is a day where the enemy has sought to create isolation. As I said, he's doing it through fear. But we, through God's word, can isolate his isolation and say, no, we're not going to hide. We're going to come be transparent and live our lives the way that God desired us to live. God is a father that believes in you. And today, if you feel like you have failed God, if you feel like you've let God down, don't isolate, don't run from a God that already knows that. I mentioned this incredible verse in Proverbs 18.1, the one who isolates themselves, they do it ultimately because they seek their own desire. So why wouldn't we lay down who we are? And say, God, we need you today. I'm not going to ask the question, well, what the heck is going on, God? I'm going, God, why are you allowing this to happen? It's so that we would know him. We would get into community with others and we would focus our real self. I don't want to be a fool that has no delight in understanding. And today I'd love to pray a prayer for you. I'd love to pray a prayer where fear would be again broken over our hearts and souls. Yes, there is an unknown future, but there's a God who's already in the future. And he's a God that wants us to reach into him. But today, if you say, you know what, Paul, if I'm completely honest, my real self is distant from God. Maybe I have a belief, but I'm distant. I'm not right with God. Can I pray the most powerful prayer, which is a prayer of connecting yourself to God? And if today that's you, then I'm asking you, if you've never, ever prayed that prayer, maybe you don't want religion. Hey, I'm one of those. I don't want religion. I want a relationship with the God that created me, a God that holds our earth in tension, a God who came to this world, died on a cross so that I could be forgiven and be free. And so whatever I go through, his presence can be with me. If you've lost that, then I'd love to include you in this prayer. If you've never prayed the prayer, then take a moment even right now as we bow our heads for a moment, close our eyes wherever we are and just pray this prayer. Let us pray it from our heart. Father, I thank you today that you're a God that does see all of us. You see us in our strength and you see us in our brokenness. You see that in our humanity, 
we are not able to live the life that you called us to live. And so you sent Jesus, who could become our strength and our weakness, who was the forgiver of sins, was the restorer of a human heart. And even as I pray right now, I pray that your presence would fill every home, every device, every person watching today, that there would be hope that's born. And Lord, for all of us, we pray that where we've failed and let you down, that you would forgive us. We ask that you would take our sin today and that we would be able to start again. We'd be able to begin a new chapter in our lives. And we look to you and we thank you, God, that you're not pushing us away. The enemy has sought to isolate us from you, but we're going to push into you. Thank you that you don't see us according to our flesh and our weakness. You see us according to your purpose for our lives. You even called us joint heirs, that we are a part of your family, carry your name. And so today I pray that this would be a day of fresh beginnings and a brand new shift. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have any questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifeau.org.